It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Father God, we come before you tonight. I thank you that Butch is okay today. And uh, Lord, I believe you're going to bring good out of whatever this is. And I just pray for his health. And Lord, we as a church family, because we're pretty clear on the fact that, Lord, we're not, we're not an organization. We're not um, a corporation. Um, we're a family. And uh, Lord, we really believe that's, that's who we are. And Butch is a patriarch in our family, and we love him to death. And Lord, one of the things that he says every time we pray, and he's not here to say it tonight, is, is he prays that you bind Satan and um, he's a tough guy, and uh, we just thank you for that. Every time he says that, I have to smile, that um, I would be a little intimidated when he says it. And um, so, Lord, I just, I thank you for him. I thank you for all that he's meant to us, and I thank you that he's okay. And, uh, Lord, it's just kind of a, a wake-up call for all of us to go, wow, it's just life can change in a, in a moment. And um, so, God, I just pray you be with that family, and thank you for him. Lord, tonight, as we honor fathers, I pray you be with us. God, I thank you for the praise team that just put that together tonight as everything changed so rapidly. And uh, Lord, for every person that came here tonight that took out of their time to be here to worship you, to serve, on whatever reason they came. But Lord, I really believe with all my heart, Lord, somebody needs this message that's here tonight. And Lord, I just pray that I don't get in the way of that. That as we open up your word, Lord, I pray you speak to our heart. Lord, you speak to what we need and through your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for being here tonight, and we welcome you. And uh, continue to pray for Butch, but he is doing okay, so we're really pleased with that. And happy Father's Day to the fathers. Make sure you honor them. We do have a photo booth, so take some pictures. And kind of the thought process behind that was if, if you're a father, and the reason I'm standing up here even with a small crowd is this, is we're videoing this, and this will be our broadcast. And so if I don't stand here, it's going to look really weird. So you'll edit that out, Alvin, along with whatever else we need. So... <laughs> Yeah, okay, there you go. If you, can, if you could Photoshop me, that would be great. Um, <laughs> okay, so anyway, but we do have a Father's Day booth, and here's the reason for that is, is that Mother's, on Mother's Day you do stuff that's sappy, okay? And I was thinking this year on Father's Day, give dad something they appreciate, <laughs> you know? A silly picture, we'll keep that. A sappy picture, we're not going to keep that. Um, give them time to themselves. I mean, if you really want to know what we really want, I want to sit down and eat and watch TV by myself. So that's what my gift would be. So just, you know, consider the gift for the father. And, and one of the best gifts you could give them is buy them a ticket to the Jimmy Needham concert, which is coming up two Saturdays, right? And, and, uh, and there's going to be all kinds of new things. So make sure you pay attention to the time because we got other things coming up right so Brent Hall is going to be opening and so if you got teenagers Brent is uh, I think he's getting he's a young adult but I mean he started a band he's going to play four brand new songs he plays at Believers Church great opportunity um, great exposure for him but also just just pray for that night because it's going to be incredible and you're not going to want to miss it make sure you buy a ticket for somebody bring them here because it'd be very easy to miss that event, and you don't want to do that. So, and dads would, would love it. So, and they'll go, why did you buy me this? Who is this? <laughs> but they'll have a great time, so do that. So tonight, 
we're here. The message tonight, in fact, I got a video to help set it up because we're going to talk about a subject that I believe all dads need. When I think of my dad, I think this is a great... You can guess what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about anger. And uh, I borrowed this shirt from a friend that's a very angry person. And um, so he'd appreciate that and his fist. <laughs> so there you go. And it makes sounds. I won't do that. But um, <laughs> so without all the <laughs> propaganda here, um, how many people feel that way? All right. Don't make me angry. You want to finish the statement? <laughs> Does that remind you of your dad? Reminds me of mine a little bit. There you go. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, right? I mean, that's how I feel, and that's how my son feels about me, which I'm always shocked at that. I'm like, I think I'm pretty easy going. And he's like, Dad, really? I mean, <laughs> that's you to a T, you know? And so we're going to talk about anger tonight because here's the thing I know about anger. Anger can be misunderstood. So the question about anger is this. Is anger good or bad? Is there, is there a proper way to use anger, or is anger all bad, and it's just an emotion that we're not capable of handling, and we're going to look at what does the Bible have to say, how can we react to this, because i got a feeling for some people, anger is crippling our lives. We're in a message series called Rescued, and we've talked about several things. We talked about fear the first Sunday, saying, hey, if you don't overcome fear, God wants to rescue us from fear. Last Sunday, we talked about guilt. And we, we said God wants to rescue us from guilt, and we gave a plan that God wants to use and a process that God wants to use in our life to rescue us from guilt. But tonight, we're going to talk about rescued from anger. Um, and and, and how, what is the context of how God wants us to view anger? Um, you're going to have to forgive my notes. I forgot my Bible, <laughs> and so I printed it out, and I do have Bible verses, so please don't feel like I don't have it. But... Um, but I may have to use them. I don't know. It's kind of going to be strange, so we'll see. But, um, but here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the Word of God tonight. And I know for a fact that God's brought somebody here tonight because you're struggling with this. And, and this is the thing that you needed to hear. So I thank you for being here tonight. So here, here's, here's where we want to go. We're going to take a look at the Word of God, and we're going to start with just the foundation of anger. What, what does the Bible teach about anger? So let me tell you, Ephesians, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Um, and if you don't have an outline, I'd suggest get one, because you're going to want to write this down. And if nothing else, think of it this way. You're writing it down because something I'm going to say applies to somebody that you know, okay? And then hopefully what you'll do is, is it's always easy for me to think of someone else. I don't know if that's how you are, but I'm like, I can always think of when I'm hearing a message, I'm going, man, I know somebody needs that. I know somebody needs that. And then later on, I might think, you know, maybe I need that. So what I'd like you to do is think of someone else because it'll be a lot easier for you, and then go home later and apply it to you, okay? All right, so here, here it is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. In your anger, all right, can you circle that word anger? Well, actually, you don't have, it's not in your outline. So write down the verse and look it up. If you're in your Bibles, circle that word anger. In your anger, do not sin. Now, that's interesting that he says that because that means a couple things. One is that anger is a very dangerous, very dangerous thing. So it's kind of a warning. That's the first thing. The second thing I see is this. The anger itself is not a sin. Because if anger itself was a sin, he would say, don't be angry, right? <laughs> but he doesn't. He says, in your anger, don't sin. And then he goes on to say this, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I think that could be misunderstood as meaning you need to, <laughs> you need to get all your anger off before you go to bed at night. Now, I don't believe that that's what it's actually saying, if you take it that wooden literally. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because if, that, if that's what you mean, it means you're not able to process things. And that's not what I believe the Apostle Paul is teaching here. I think what he's saying is, if you think that time, I'm going to go to bed at night and tomorrow I'm going to wake up all better, you're wrong. If you think time is going to help you get past your anger, you couldn't be more wrong. 
He's saying time, if anything else, it's like building up pressure and you'll explode like a volcano. And so he's saying, hey, don't go to bed like that. Get it off you understanding that you're not going to be able to deal with everything every night. That's not how it works. But don't think that time's going to take care of this. And then he goes on to say in verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. He's talking about this thing about anger. He's talking about letting anger go or suppressing anger or doing it in the wrong way. And he's saying the devil could use anger in your life as a foothold. Now, if you don't know what a foothold means, it's more of a military term. That means if you want to get somebody, you get a foothold into their control center. That's what it's talking about. He's talking about a guest space, really the word in the Greek, it means like a guest space in your control center. That's what it means. So if you want to give the devil the opportunity to control you, here's where it can happen. If anger is handled incorrectly. So there's a correct way and there's an incorrect way to handle anger. Now, in the Bible, there's 15 references to the Bible where the Bible mentions anger. And it uses a metaphor for anger. And that's fire. It uses the metaphor of fire, which is perfect. And the reason it does that is, is because fire can be both good or bad. <laughs> you know, fire's not good or bad, it's just what it, what it does. Controlled fire can be a great thing. If you go to Alaska, we went to Vermont this past year, it was minus 18 degrees. Let me tell you something, fire would be really a good thing, right? <laughs> it could be. Fire could be a really great thing when you're freezing to death, right? Or if you're trying to boil water, fire's a great thing. A couple weeks ago, fire wasn't such a great thing at Cynthia O'Reilly's house because it almost burned her house down. Uncontrolled fire, and if you let it get out of control, it, you can hardly get it back in control. I mean, ask the people that do forest fires, right? I mean, Smokey the Bear, right? Only you can prevent forest fires. And, and so, right? I mean, and it's true. And let me tell you something. Anger is the same way. It can build your life up. You might not think that, but we'll talk a little bit about that, what that means. Is there a righteous anger? Is there a sanctified anger? And is there a sinful anger? I believe there is. I think most people understand the sinful part is to go. Anger can take you to a place that you don't want to go, and it can burn everything down around you if it's uncontrolled. So don't give the devil a foothold. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at some wrong ways to handle anger first. And it may surprise you what those ways are because, anyway, we'll get into it. So number one, the first way, wrong ways to handle anger. The Number one, if you're a spewer, okay? You know what I mean by that? <laughs> a spewer expresses their anger, okay? I don't, have you ever met somebody like that? I can be that way. And you're going to lean towards one or, t- or the other of these. And so the spewer would be more like the Incredible Hawk. You know, he's, you know, you made me mad, boom, you know, and they want to get it off them. And usually once they get it off them, they're okay. But they've done blown up the whole world around them, okay? And, and it's left wreckage all over the place because they got to get this anger off them. So we're going to take a look at what the psalmist has to say. I think it's a great verse. It says this, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16. If you want to write that down, you might want to look at it because here's what he teaches in the Proverbs. He says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things, okay? <laughs> a quick-tempered person does foolish things. And the one who, who devises evil schemes is hated. That's two different concepts. But we're just going to focus on the first part. If you have a quick temper, you're going to do foolish things. 99.9% of the time, if you're quick-tempered and that's when you're making your decision, 99.9% of the time, it's the wrong choice. And you'll wish you hadn't done it. Um, I'm sure everybody's got some examples. I got one 
just the past week, <laughs> week that I almost didn't want to share, but I'll share it tonight because it, it actually fits. I had an opportunity the other week. I was driving home, and I got to my house, and it was about 11 o'clock at night. I had a meeting. I was stressed out from the day or whatever, and I was kind of tired. And I pull into my driveway, and in the back of my driveway, I look, and I'm like, that can't possibly be. Somebody pulled an 18-wheeler truck into my backyard. And I thought, you got to be kidding. There's like an alley behind my house, and it's fenced in. And I'm like, the dude ran over my fence and parked an 18-wheeler in the back of my yard. Now, I'm not, I don't think I'm usually an angry person. Maybe I am. But, but I walk back, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I mean, I got a no trespassing sign. You know? I'm like, are you kidding me? So I jump out the car. I mean, I pull out in front of him because I'm like, you're not going to get out of my driveway. And I go up to the truck because it's on. I mean, it's like it's running. So I'm like, he's spending the night in my yard. You might need to edit this. But anyway, I pull out my gun, <laughs> and I bang on that door, and I'm like, you better come out here now, you know what I mean? Because you're going to have a major problem. Because I didn't know who was going to come out of this tr- truck, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I was so hot. I was like, you've got to be kidding. And there's nobody in it, you know? So I'm like, okay, so he's running some kind of generator. And then, and then so I call the police, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what this guy's thinking. There's a truck in my backyard, and so the police comes around. This young guy comes out. <laughs> from Franklin Police Department. We walk around, and I'm thinking about calling my neighbors, but I'm like, it's almost midnight, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I'll just leave it alone. And he's like, I think it's a city worker, so just check on it tomorrow morning. I'm like, look, I don't care that they're here. I do care that they didn't tell me, you know? <laughs> so it's just the principle of the thing now. <laughs> and I mean, I was mad. So the next morning, I'm waiting, you know, and I can't wait to get up to get outside and get this guy or whoever it is. And I come out, and, and I noticed that in my next-door neighbor, we had some new neighbors that just moved in, and he's having work done. And I just met this neighbor and invited him to church. <laughs> and, uh, and so I noticed that his workers are out there. And I'm thinking, is this him? You know, is this his workers? So I run over there and I'm talking to these workers. And I'm like, hey, is that your truck? <laughs> and uh, the guy's like, yeah. And he got a little defensive at first. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I called the police. And I just got to tell you, you're, you didn't tell me it's here. I almost knocked your window in and pulled that thing out in the middle of the street and all this kind of nonsense that I was saying. <laughs> and the guy, he really backed off, and he was really apologetic. And at that point, I was like, oh, man, you're working for him. And I like this guy, and I like what he's doing, and I really don't mind it being here. <laughs> and I was like, you can stay as long as you want. He's like, we'll get it off today. And I was like, so I had to call my neighbor and say, you know, look, I gave your workers a hard time. Sorry. And I'm a pastor, you know what I'm saying? So that's a little bit tough to go, man, I really kind of lost it, you know. And, and I learned, you know, it's like, man, you really got to be careful because I didn't know who it was. And I misunderstood some things. I thought he backed over my fence. He didn't. I was kind of seeing what I wanted to see. And they had taken it apart and they put it back together. And honestly, I didn't care, but it was just more in the moment. And, and that, that story ended well. I called him and I think everything's fine. But not yet not yet it might take a little while we might have to do some repair work but okay we need to have a cookout over there that's all I can say all right so (laughs) anyway but here's what I know if you react that way it can be dangerous if you're mad and in the moment you are heated you will do things that you don't normally do that might have worked out and, and I understand you know don't tread on me I'm all about that kind of stuff I get it but let me tell you something Every time you do it, you open yourself up to danger. When you have a quick response to anger, let me tell you what you do. Foolish things. Can I tell you the amount of people, and this is what I know, the amount of people I visit in jail, 
that would say, that's exactly why I'm here. I didn't mean for that to happen. I had every right. I didn't mean for that to happen. I took it too far. I let my anger get away from me. Or I, they made me do this. They start off that way, and then eventually, after a long time in prison, then it's kind of like, hey, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I need to calm down. You get the idea? And so a quick temper will help make you do. It makes you do foolish things. Absolutely. Make sure you write that down. A spewer is not the way to go. You don't want to be. So, so, so what I'm basically saying is to express your anger that way isn't, doesn't work. All right, number two. <laughs> number two. So if that's wrong, then maybe this would be better. A steward, a person that suppresses their anger. Guess what? That's wrong too. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. Let me, explain, let, me, let me make sure you understand. So to express your anger is wrong and to suppress your anger is also wrong. <laughs> isn't that nice? And, and the Proverbs, or the psalmist, has something to say about that, so we'll put that verse up on the screen. Psalms 32, 3, he said, when I kept silent, maybe you can relate to this, when I suppressed this down, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. You ever felt that? That when you take something you're mad about and you go, well, I'm not going to react to it. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to push that down. And we think that's a better way to handle it because I don't want to express it because you just said a quick response is going to be bad. A quick response of anger is going to make you do foolish things. But uh, to suppress it is sometimes even worse. Have you ever been that person? It's like you're drinking that poison and you're like, I'm just not going to get mad about it. Don't make me angry. You won't like me if I'm angry. So you just push it down and keep calm, keep calm, keep calm. But it's building up, and it starts to almost seep out of your pores, like David's saying. And it's like a black, dark cloud encapsulates your life. I don't know if that's been you. And it's funny because I can honestly relate to both of these. I don't know if you can. Most people lean one way a little bit or the other, but the truth is we probably can relate to both, where we go, yeah, I've, I've, I've spewed it out, and I know that's not right, but I've also sat there and let it stew and it just, it just makes me all resentful, and, and I don't know what to do with this. And, and there's a great story in the Bible that talks about this. You can look it up, Luke chapter 15. And, and Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son, and we're going we're gonna to talk more about this because this guy had other problems too. And so we'll talk a little bit about it. But the prodigal son comes home, and, and his father, if you know the story, the prodigal son leaves, and he wastes his father's money. And then he goes out, and he comes back, and he asks his father's forgiveness. And he says, hey, can I come back home? And he puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and he kind of restores his son, and he kills the fatted calf. And the older brother hears about it. <laughs> and the older brother had other problems, and we'll talk about that next or a couple weeks. But Luke 15, 28, it says this, the older brother, after he saw this, he became angry. Isn't that interesting? That the emotion that he felt when the father did this to his son was anger. Now, there was a different root, and I think that's very important that you get to the root cause of whatever's underneath all that. Let me tell you something. That brother, his root cause, the problem that that brother had was when he saw that the father forgave that, that brother, he didn't express his anger. You know what he did? He suppressed it. It's a fact. You see what he did? The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Can I tell you what anger does if you spew it or if you suppress it, especially suppressing? It will break relationships. It's a fact. You push that down, and it's breaking relationships in that family, not only for the prodigal son, not only this brother didn't love his brother, he didn't love his father much either. And he was so mad, he was seething mad. And I want you to see how God responds, because I believe that this is the way God is responding to us tonight over this. So the father, which represents God, the father went out, and pleaded with him. And, the, and, and he allowed the son to get off of him all that anger. And then he pleaded with him to come be part. 
Come be part. Let's restore the relationship. But before he could, you know what? That son had to get off whatever that was that was inside of him. And I think it's a model of what God wants to do. We never really know what the older brother did. But we know this, that as long as that stuff is suppressed, it doesn't go away. You drink a poison and, and you think it's either going to get better and I can forget it and it doesn't work, does it? Or, or, or one day they're going to get theirs and I'm just biding my time until I can get even and it doesn't work, does it? It just eats us alive inside. And I got to tell you, anger is like a fire and when it's handled like this, you know what it does? It will tear your life to shreds. I can t- tell you about a decade of my life that's missing because of it. That, that literally just wasted my life. And it consumed everything and it broke every relationship that I had. These are wrong ways to handle anger. So how in the world, what do you do with it then? (laughs) If you can't express it the way we're talking about here and get it off you, and you can't suppress it, then what in the world do you do with it? What do you do with anger? So I want to give you a couple things that you can do with it. And the first thing you got to understand is there's two different kinds of anger. And the first one, and here's, here's what you got to understand. The, the first, there's two different kinds of anger. One is sinful anger. And what you need to do with sinful anger is this, is put it out. Okay? It's like a fire. If Cynthia didn't put out that fire, and they go, well, fire is a good thing. Well, let's just let it burn. It burned the whole neighborhood down. You know what I mean? It'll burn everything down in your life. And if you don't put out the fire, it will destroy you. Um, there's a great verse. It's the only one I put in your outlines because I got a feeling it's the one that most of us need to hear. You want to know about anger? Here it is. James explains it. James chapter 1, verse 19, he says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. <laughs> That's how when the Bible says take note, you need to take note. Okay, Take some notes here. He's going, hey, pay attention to this because this is an issue that most people face. That's what he's saying. He's going, hey, take note of this. My brothers and sisters, that means followers of Jesus Christ. Basically, if you're not following this, you're not following Christ. So take note. You ready? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I want you to to underline that, that last part right there. Slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. This is that's that's so important. Because why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So he's telling followers of Christ, first off, be very careful with anger. (laughs) And that be slow to anger. Now there's something that that we need to grasp because I never got this before. It says slow, not no. You get it? It's not saying all anger is bad. In fact, there is an anger that isn't bad, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Because if we don't go here, and I've never heard this before, and, and I praise God for Craig Groeschel because I listened to one of his messages, and I was like, man, that makes so much sense. Because I never saw it that way. I always thought, oh, no, anger is a bad thing. Anger is a dangerous thing. And if you burnt yourself with fire, you'd say fire is a horrible thing. It's terrible what fire can do. But anger can also be one of the most godly things you'll have in your life. So, so let me explain this first part. Slow to becoming angry. Okay? Because Why? Because it doesn't produce, human anger doesn't produce God's righteousness. I I, want to go a little bit further with that. If you do anger that way, he's saying you don't follow Christ. That's what he's saying. If anger consumes you that way, then you're not a follower of Christ. That's what he's saying. I don't want to be, let me explain. (laughs) You can't be filled with that kind of anger and rage and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a fact. 
So you can, you can fool yourself all day long, and I know this from experience. When you hold on to that rage, when you, when you express it in such a bad way, and you don't care what it does to other people, you're not a follower of Christ. When, when you suppress it, and you allow it to consume you, and there's unforgiveness in your heart, and you just keep making excuses because you don't know what to do with it, you're not following You can't hold on to that and hold on to him. If you don't believe that, then you read the words of Christ. He says, if you don't forgive other people their sins, guess what? I won't forgive yours either. And I struggled with that. Why would you be so mean? Why would you make it a merit thing? And it's not a merit thing. You know what it is? I understood what it was. He's saying, because you can't have a relationship with me and hold on to that anger. You've got to hold on to one or the other. And the question is, which one? Get it? Slow to becoming angry. So let me, let me explain how this works. So how do you, how do you put anger out? Because maybe that's where you struggle. It's where I did. <laughs> what do I do with it then? Push it down or express it? Either way, I'm doomed, right? So let me tell you how you can express it. Because you will need to express it at some point. Here's how it works. A couple steps. First off, slow down. Slow down. Let me tell you, when you're angry, that's the last thing you want to do, right? <laughs> The last thing you want to do is slow down. But the truth is, that's what it takes. you got to slow down, and you got to express the problem. But you got to express the problem to the right people at the right time. This is how it works. And if you don't, you'll be doomed to doing it the first way, because you're going, hey, wait a minute, you said not to express it, now you're saying to express it. But the problem with the first way is, it's being expressed quickly, and it will never go well. <laughs> I can't give any examples of it going well. Maybe you can. So here's who you express to. Same, same, same one as last week. Same way as last week. Okay? Same, same list as last week. We're not very profound. But when it comes to anger, so important. And it's not so much being original. It's not so much being profound as it is. This is a system that works. This is God's plan. You ready? So number one, you express it to God. The first thing you got to do if you're going to get past anger, <laughs> the first step is the first step, man. <laughs> Surrender to God. You're insane. Anger will make you crazy. It really will. It, it, it will destroy your life in ways you can't even imagine. Some of you already know, right? Some people are in prison today. Some things you go, I can't take that back. And if you don't believe it, you express it in the wrong way. And you go, I didn't think I'm really doing that bad. But let me ask you a question. Go ask your kids, are you? Let me ask you, how many people have problems with their dads because they expressed anger in a way that went, I'm sorry, that didn't convey what you meant. And you talk to your kids and you're like, that's not what I meant to do. And later on, you're looking back on it and you're going, I didn't mean to do that. Or, or better yet, you're going, I'm acting just like my parents, right? Anybody ever done that? Where you go, I'll never say that like that. I'll never be that way when I have kids. And then you hear the words come out of your mouth and you're like, I am my father. You ever done that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why? Because, because hurting people, can I tell you something, what you've learned or people that have abused, and it even gets worse, right? You, people that have been abused, oftentimes they abuse. It's a very hard, cyclical thing. So how do you break free from that? Especially when there's a raging fire inside. Can I tell you? It's the only thing that ever worked for me is the power of God. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. And not only did he die for your guilt, but everybody else's too. And, and the day that Christ stands there and he goes, can you forgive? And you go, no, I can't. I'll never forgive that. Until he says, wait a minute, is this enough? Is the cross of Jesus Christ enough for you to forgive? And that's the thing that changed my life. 
And I hope it will be the thing that does yours. So when you slow down and you consider the cross of Christ and you let him walk you through that process of saying, now give me your anger. (laughs) Oh man, that's hard. It's easy to give guilt. It's difficult to give anger. Because I'm right. And I'm justified. And you can't possibly mean you want me to do this. Right? But if you don't, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to drink that poison every day of your life. And it will consume, it will be an all-consuming fire that destroys you and everything else around you. You don't want it. Okay. The first person is God. And God delivers you, I believe that, to a process. Okay? Because it doesn't stop there. (laughs) And a lot of people think that, and then that anger comes back. That's what happened to me. Oh, I forgave. And then the anger comes back. And what do I do now? God, I thought you delivered me. And he does. He delivers you to a process. So number two, guess guess who you need to express it to? yourself. (laughs) I thought God did. No, no, not yet. Okay. Because emotions are a very strange thing. And let me tell you something. What you think you know about yourself, you probably don't. What you think is the root cause, just like the older brother and the prodigal son, and we're going to talk about what his root cause is. Let me tell you something. So many times, and let me ask you, have you ever looked back on the past and go, I don't know why I was so mad. You know what? I didn't see that thing at all correctly. And I reacted in such a bad way, and I made it worse, and I didn't even understand what the full situation was, and I didn't even realize that what was behind my anger was right, something that happened to me way back. And it brought all those memories back, and that's why I reacted. Right? Yeah, One link in the chain. So, so what I recommend, same thing we talked about last week, sit down and write out a searching and fearless moral inventory. It's a fact. Because in that inventory, what you're going to find is, is some of the root causes. And what you've done now is you've invited God into your life to go, what's going on? And you're writing it out. And all of a sudden, before long, as you write down your burdens and you write down how mad you are, all of a sudden you're going, oh, wait a minute, that's the root. You know what it reminded me of? What happened way back here. It reminded me of this abuse or that abuse. And my vision is skewed because of things that's happened to me. You understand why it has to be slow? Because if you don't act slow, you think you're so right. But sometimes we're not, are we? And we end up making it worse instead of better. And the person that goes, I was abused and now I'm trying to stand up for that, ends up abusing other people. It's how it works. So you, you admit it to God. You admit it to yourself. Number three, then you go punch the person's lights out. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you admit it to a trusted person. You express it to a trusted person. Remember last week we were talking about guilt. You, you confess your guilt to a trusted person so that you don't injure the person you hurt. That's what happens with guilt. With anger... So you don't injure the person that hurts you. (laughs) So that you are able to express your anger in a correct way and you don't end up in jail. okay? Or you don't end up doing something that you go, man, I didn't mean for it to go there. It's a fact. To a trusted person that you can sit down with and you can start to unpack your bags. Just like we talked about with James. Confess your sins to each other. Can I tell you? It works the same way with the other way. Because when it talks about making amends... You know what it says? Leave your gift at the altar and go make amends. So it tells both people, if you're offended or you've been offended or somebody offended you, go make it right. You know what it requires? A trusted person that makes sure you keep your head together. It's a fact. This is the thing that will change the most people because most people don't have somebody like that in their life. And when you fly off the handle, let me tell you something. You will not be objective with yourself. I truly believe tonight that if it wasn't for a trusted person in my life, I'd be in jail today. Because at that moment, I was so angry, and the person said, just sit down just for a minute. Just one pause, just one cup of coffee changed my life. <laughs> I didn't drink coffee, but, but it changed my life. 
because he allowed me to express. And I said everything that I wanted to do. And then he said, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> that's it. That's the whole conversation. And it saved my life. It saved the life of other people. And it saved everything about me. And, and today I can stand here because a trusted person sat there and helped me through that process. Let me tell you something. You take pause and, you've, and you invest in relationships. And it's why we have community groups. It's why we have men's ministry. It's why we have church. Is that one thing so that you can have a relationship with God, you can admit it to yourself, and then you can admit it to a trusted person, and then finally, you'll be ready to express it in the correct way. And then you go to that hurt person. Then they can help you with a process to go. Then you go to that person that hurts you, and you figure out, what do you do? What do you do when they're dead and they're no longer here, but it's still got chains on you? <laughs> what do you do when that person's not sorry for what they did? It's a process, brother. Slow down. Put it out. And you know what happens? As God releases that, you know what I found in my life? Is that when I let go of the thing that I never want to let go of, the more I let go, the happier I was. I said the more I let go because you don't let go of it all at once. <laughs> and Satan will be happy to fit you with those chains all over again. <laughs> it's a fact. Slow it down. Express your anger the right way and put it out. Or it will burn down your life. I've never known of anything that's more dangerous than what anger can do in your life. It can rob you of your kids. It can cause you to not meaning to abuse other people. It, it, can, it can make your life a living hell. I believe it. When you think you're so right because they owe you so much, let God work in your life and put out that anger. Now, there's one last thing I want to share tonight. <laughs> And this one is so tricky, I almost didn't want to bring it up, but I know that it's the right thing, and it's got to be said. There is a sinful anger that needs to be put out. And there is a righteous anger. There is a sanctified anger that needs to be fanned, that you need to fan the flame. <laughs> that sounds so wrong, doesn't it? That there could be an anger that's right. That God wants to do something with a righteous anger, but the fact is, he does. And I want to give you an example of it. And I understand it's a very dangerous thing, but I also understand that it may just be the thing that's missing for some of us. A sanctified anger. Let me tell you a story about Jesus that's found in the book of Mark. And we can go ahead and put the verse up. Mark chapter 3, and you can look it up later for yourself. Mark chapter 3, here's what Jesus was doing, just so you know. He's, he's going around and he's preaching, and he goes into a synagogue, and he's teaching. And the Pharisees are kind of checking him out. And he looks out at the crowd as he's teaching, and he realizes something. He's like, they're not getting the message. They, they don't understand. And he, and he was becoming a little agitated because he was going... They have taken, because, you know, understand, Jesus is God. And so now he's with the people that are supposed to know him best, and he's looking out at them, and he's like, this is so messed up. They have created, and it was on the Sabbath day, so here he is, and he's like, they have messed up the Sabbath day. They have created new laws and made it harder for people to follow God, and they're not even doing the things, the people in their midst, and he looks out and he sees this man with a shriveled up hand, and he's going, why aren't they doing something to help him? That's what he's thinking. Instead, they're too busy telling us all the laws that they follow. And they're too busy excluding anyone that doesn't, and they've made up all this stuff, and that's not even what the Sabbath day is all about. 
And he stands up in front of him, and here's what happens when he looks out. Okay? I want you to pay attention to the wording, because I never saw this before. <laughs> like I said, thank God for Craig Groeschel, because it changed my life when I saw this. He looked around them in, you want to say it or you want me to? He looked around them in anger. This is the Christ. He looked around them, and he looked out in there, and he saw something, and it made him angry. And what made him angry was he saw this guy, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He saw an injustice. This guy with a hurt arm, and these people that were following a list of rules. <laughs> and it made him mad. It made him angry. That's a righteous anger. It's an injustice that needs to be righted. It needs to be made right. And Jesus saw it, and it made him angry. <laughs> what he did is the model. You see, for Jesus, he was casting vision, and the reason he was so angry, and he, in fact, he had already taught his disciples this. You can read it in another place in the Bible, where he tells his disciples, he goes, you know what I want, you know what it means to be my follower? He said, I want to tell you a new command. Maybe you've heard this one. <laughs> I'll tell you a new command, love one another. And they're like, well, we've heard that. I mean, that's all throughout the Bible. What are you saying? There's nothing different about that, Jesus. Until he says, love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes on to explain to them, I need you to understand that I don't want to ever make you understand, think that you can replace a relationship with a set of rules. And that sounds wrong, doesn't it? Because it's like, no, 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 no. The Bible is a set of rules if it's nothing. <laughs> oh, it has a set of rules. But he's going, don't ever make up rules that make it possible for you to treat people the way you treat people doesn't matter. He's going, you know how you have to treat people? With love. And he said, don't ever think you're my follower if you're just thinking you dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's and came up with all these new rules, but you don't love people. Have you ever heard that before? First Corinthians. If you don't have love, guess what you have? Nothing. That's what Christ is saying. And it made him mad because he's looking out in the crowd and he's going, you guys are following all these rules. And you missed the mission of this guy who needs help. And he, in his anger, here's what he did. And at their stubbornness of heart, here's what he did. He said to them, fire from heaven and consume them all. That's what I would have said. <laughs> Just like Elijah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'll start over with a new group, right? <laughs> Sorry. That's not what he did. But it would be cool if he did. <laughs> that's not the kind of anger. That's not what it produces. And I want us to pay attention because if you don't get this, then you're not ready for anger. If you're not this, then it's not righteous anger. Because the anger that I'm seeing, and especially in the churches, is not righteous anger. It's anger fueled by fear. And let me tell you something. The way you can tell if it's righteous is what it produces. <laughs> This is a fact. Anger in and of itself is a tool, just like any other tool, just like fire. What you do with it makes all the difference. And what is the root of what it's for is where it's at. And if it's fear and negativism and criti critical spirit, it is not of God. If it is causing a positive, proactive change that is fueled by passion, it is of God. Let me tell you what Jesus does. He looks out at them with distress and anger. And he tells this man, stretch out your arm. <laughs> and he heals this man. And he stretches out his hand, and he was completely restored. Not caring what anyone else thought in the room. He was about the mission of God. Now, he understood the firestorm this would start. Because the Pharisees now could say, you know what you did, Jesus? You know what he did? You healed someone on the Sabbath. 
<laughs> in front of everyone. And now we have enough to get him crucified. That was a charge, by the way. He healed someone on the Sabbath. <laughs> Is that not the greatest injustice you've ever heard of? <laughs> That you actually think that the Sabbath day is not a day for the Son of Man to heal people? That's how stupid it had become. A list of rules that said that Jesus Christ couldn't heal someone on the Sabbath. (laughs) And it made him mad as it should make us mad. So how do you handle this kind of anger? I wrote down a couple things just so we know. You know what the anger is supposed to produce? When we see injustice in this world, it's supposed to fuel It's supposed to fuel us. It's supposed to burn us with passion. But understand, it all depends on what it's leading to. Watch what it produces in you and around you. If it's producing positive change, then it's probably from God. If it's fueling passion that says there's something that's got to be done, and I believe God can change it, and it causes joy to come, which is what Christ did, then it's of God. And that's good anger. Embrace it. But if it's negative and critical and makes you fearful and a critical spirit, no way could that be from God. And nowhere do I see it more than in the political circles. No more do I see it more than when Christians talk about politics today. There is a place for it and there's an anger for it and I understand it. But where they go from there, an angry, critical, we can't do this, we can't make any changes, oh, it's going to get worse and there's nothing we can do about it. Can I tell you something? That isn't of God, because God can do everything. So let me give you a couple of causes that I've thought about. Did you know that in this world that there's people that are starving to death? (laughs) Does that make you angry? Like it does me, or fearful, because it does me too. Like, like, well, there's nothing I can do about it, because don't you understand the politics? Don't you understand there's nothing we can do about it? Don't you understand that there's enough food to feed everybody in this world a couple times over? And only some people have it and other people don't? <laughs> and even if we didn't have enough resources, do we believe there's a God <laughs> that's capable of doing something about it? And what if we got involved? What if that anger led us, inflamed us, and and controlled anger that led to a passion that said, we're going to take care of this problem in our lifetime. We believe that God can. (laughs) Because, by the way, in the end, you know what he's going to ask us? Maybe you never thought of this. (laughs) In the end, he will ask on the day of judgment, when did you see me hungry? And you gave me nothing to eat. That's what he's going to ask. That's what he says. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit back and say, oh, we can't, it can't be done? I'm mad, but I'm, I can't do anything because I'm afraid or I don't think it can be done. And what, you, you get the idea? Can we get involved? Is there something positive we can do? And maybe we can only influence our world. But you know what, you know what he says? If you, are, if you do what I tell you in small things, I'll make you master over many. If you start the process of helping right where you are, I'll increase your territory. If you don't increase it, I'll take even what you have away. <laughs> what he says that is righteous anger did you know there's people in the world that are being sold as sex slaves and we do nothing get it we can do something about it it can fuel a fire that changes our lives you know there's foster kids that need homes well the foster system's so messed up can the church do anything you get it could it flame a fire in us that says we need to do something about it and before you think i'm off on this fire thing let me tell you when the holy spirit of god chose what he would come down as Do you know what it was? 
a flame of fire. It was a tongue of fire that sat on them. It's passion from the Holy Spirit. And a piece of that is anger at injustice that says something can be done. The gates of hell could be kicked in. That's anger, right? That's fighting. That's worth fighting for in the right way, in a positive, proactive way that changes the world. That's what it means. Anger from God. That's what Jesus had. I can take it a step further, not only in these things, but what about cancer? You know, there's people building playgrounds for kids, right? Rock solid. You can do something. You can change where you're at. And if you show up, it's amazing what God can do if we do positive, proactive change. I believe that we need to get angry. I just believe what we need to do about it is not gripe about it, but do something about it in a positive way. Financial problems. You know, it's, you know Dave Ramsey taught me this. He said, if you want to get out of debt, you got to get good and mad. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I never got out of debt until I got angry and said, I don't want to do this. This is not the legacy I want to leave for my family. you got to fight for your marriage. you got to fight for your kids. you got to have a flame of passion. But I can tell you, when that flame goes out, you ain't got much fight left in you, do you? And that's when marriages disintegrate. That's when nothing good ever happens again. You get the idea? There's a righteous anger. There's an unrighteous anger we need to put out. It will burn down your life. There's a righteous anger that we need to fan the flame and watch what the Holy Spirit of God can do in our lives. I don't know where you're at tonight with it. I don't know what God's calling you to do tonight, but I believe this, that with all my heart, somebody had to come here tonight to hear this at this time because you're dealing with something and you're either holding on to something that if you don't let go of it, it's going to consume you and your life will never get better. You can play games all day long if that's what you want to do. There's some other people that you've been saying long enough that what's fueling your life, you think it's anger, but it's not. You know what it is? It's fear. And that fear will cause your anger to erupt, and the the outgoing is fear. But there's no positive change. And it's time that we fan the flame of a God who can do all things and receive the tongue of fire from the power of the Holy Spirit that can change this world. It can change your life. It can change your family. It can change this country. It can change this church. It can change this world. I believe it with all my heart. You see, here's how you can tell if it's righteous anger or sinful anger. Sinful anger burns down God's kingdom. It's a fact. Righteous anger, it builds it. (laughs) Let's stand for prayer. Father, I'll be honest, I have no idea who needs to hear this tonight. Maybe it's me. But I believe, God, this is your message at this time. However, it was delivered. So God, I pray tonight for whoever that is that needs it. Maybe it's a bunch of us, I don't know. That's holding on to anger in such a way that it's destroying them. For some of us, we've expressed it and we don't care where the consequences lie. (laughs) And it's destroying us and everybody else around us. And and we're okay because we got it off of us and we got it on to other people. but, But it's destroying all the lives around us. We feel better and everybody else feels worse. Other people, Lord, they're they're consuming it and and they're letting it go because they think it makes other people feel better, but yet it's destroying their life from the inside out. And the truth is, is the only way we can deal with this is through you. So I pray tonight, God, help us with this. I don't know what the person needs to do, but I know one thing. If they don't 
if we don't slow down and turn it over to you and, and be honest with ourselves and, and get some people in our lives that can give us some objective things from you. We're going to destroy it. Help us to put that kind of anger out, God. And then I pray as a church, Lord, let us not sit back and go, well, we really can't do anything. No, there's so many problems that, that it's too big for us. And I think some people, somehow, we're believing it's too big for our God. And it's not. I pray it fans a flame in us, not of sinful anger, Lord, but of righteous anger that will change injustice and not burn down your kingdom, but build it up or make us that church. I pray that's who we are, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.